The Civil War has often been called America's Iliad, but it has not been noted enough that we are still engaged in writing it. Frederick Douglass is a relatively new player in the Lincoln saga, and the reason for this is relatively simple. Lincoln, as the great emancipator, has always been portrayed as the sole wise and benevolent actor in the great drama of the Civil War. With cumulative force, early Lincoln biographers presented a man bedeviled by fierce and unrelenting radical Republicans and obsessive abolitionists whose fanaticism helped push the nation into an unnecessary war. As the new president came to power, the nation stumbled almost heedlessly into a needless sectional war over slavery. Both sides of this great and tragic conflict fought nobly and with great courage, brother against brother. It was a simple narrative, and since it possessed so many reassuring elements, it long constituted a compelling and comfortable story that stood the test of many generations. The silence in those earlier biographies about the role of Douglas in the Civil War era reflected an oddity that historians of the last forty years have had to struggle with. How could one accurately tell the story of the Civil War without referring to 180,000 black troops in the Union Army, or to the tidal wave of black people who freed themselves by crossing Union lines, forcing Lincoln's hand to face the challenge of emancipation, a reality that was not Lincoln's so much to give as to recognize? or to the radical abolitionists, including the overlooked Frederick Douglass, who were perhaps more the tale's heroes than its villains. And that perhaps Lincoln, still undeniably great, might not have been the only actor on the stage. That the war was a complex, messy, and complicated tale, and that its hero was, in fact, flawed in ways that the old story would not allow. The Civil Rights era made these historical questions not merely valid, but socially inescapable. In Memphis, the night before he was killed, Martin Luther King Jr. evoked a panorama of scenes in history he would be tempted to see. I would come on up even to 1863 and watch a vacillating president by the name of Abraham Lincoln finally come up to the conclusion that he had to sign the Emancipation Proclamation. The old vision of Lincoln as the secular savior of the black people was becoming tarnished, fairly or unfairly with a new narrative, exemplified by Ebony Magazine's editor, Lerone Bennett's searing and angry, forced into glory, Abraham Lincoln's White Dream, a book that pointed out quite accurately that Lincoln had been a white supremacist sharing the racial prejudices of his times. This disenchantment with Lincoln had in truth started with W.E.B. Du Bois, who as early as 1922 had been compelled to recant harsh words about Lincoln. In this climate, a figure such as Frederick Douglass re-emerged in his old power. Because of the way we have largely ignored the role of African Americans in the epic of the Civil War, and in the muted and almost amnesiac manner in which the story of the resulting failure of the Reconstruction era has been told, Americans have been largely blind to a startling truth, that the epic of the emancipation of four million slaves remains one of the greatest stories in world history. In that magnificent story, Douglas had been a national hero. He was a fighter, facing down death from early slave breakers many times in his youth and facing down rioting mobs throughout his travels. The writing of three autobiographies had well suited him for stepping into this ennobling heroic role, for he understood that his life had always been the story of his people redeemed, that somehow his personal odyssey to fame and worldwide attention was both a vindication and a symbol for what it was possible for a black man to achieve in a nation that refused to offer manhood, equality, even the right to vote.
One reason he emerges as a figure second only to Lincoln is that he spoke the truth, spoke it to powerful figures who did not wish to hear it, accurately predicted the path the war would take, and offered everything he had, including the lives of his children, to gain freedom for others. In a talk he gave all across the North in 1864 entitled The Mission of the War, this greatness and clarity of vision still speak. Calling the conflict a solitary and ghastly horror, he asked, Now, for what is all this desolation, ruin, shame, suffering, and sorrow? Can anybody want the answer? We all know it is slavery. Yet in the midst of the numbing loss, he dared to face the larger meaning of this violence. But even from the length of this struggle, we who mourn over it may well enough draw some consolation when we reflect upon the vastness and grandeur of its mission. The blow we strike is not merely to free a country or a continent, but the whole world from slavery. For when slavery fails here, it will fall everywhere. He added, We have no business to mourn our mission.